We're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. If you would, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to be reading in the New King James Version today. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. He's the first gardener right here. He's going to take care of this garden. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. I'm going to jump down to Genesis 3 and verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Today I want to look at the consequences of sin and God's remedy for sin. They're fallen, fallen man, fallen, but we can get back up. Amen. How many has ever seen the TV commercial? They have somebody laying. I need to do one of them commercials one time. Just lay down on the floor. I've fallen and I can't get. Man has fallen, but we can get back up. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done in here already today. I thank you for what you're going to do. I ask you, Lord, right now that the seed of the word goes down deep and takes root in our heart, Father. Let us see what you want us to see. Let us hear what you want us to hear today. I ask you, Lord, to hide me behind the shadow of the cross, Lord. Anoint your servant, Jesus, that I will speak your words and what you'd have me to speak because your word is already anointed. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I just want to say it's good to be here today. I've had a big week already, and exciting just to be back home, and uh, you don't know how excited I am to be here today and just see your faces. It's just, I've seen a lot of faces this week, but it's good to be back home and see everyone. Today in Genesis 3, we're going to learn a lot. We're going to go on with a few more scriptures here in a minute. We're going to learn a lot about the effect of sin and how sin, whether it's you, whether it's me, how it affects us all. Somebody thinks, well, you know, what I do doesn't affect anyone else. Not true. Not true. This event right here in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, it affected you. It affected all mankind. It's still affecting us today. You remember our scripture text tells us Adam and Eve that just disobeyed God. God had told Adam, don't eat of this tree. And we just read it. They eat of the tree. They yielded to the temptation. And what we see next are the consequences of their sin. I want to just list these today. One of the consequences of our sin is right here. It brings guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. The first part of Genesis 3-7 says... Then their eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. That was in verse 7. They thought they wanted their eyes open, but when they finally got what they wanted, they didn't like what they seen. 
that rejected God. And apart from God, there wasn't much to look at. They had lost their integration. I'm going to go with that word today. They had lost their integration point. God had been the center of man's existence. He was the, he was the only one who tied life together. Who made life and made sense of life. He met man's deepest needs. We all need an integration point. Integration means unification, combination, or a merger. We all need that with God. All right? Anything other than God, whether it is another person, our work, sex, drugs, anything else without God is never satisfying. There is pleasure in sin for seasons, what the word says. It's not going to last. It's a season. If we try to make our integration point, it will inevitably let us down. Then we will eventually destroy us. Even good things, if they become our integration point, become sin and addiction. God was the integration point that kept their lives intact. Now they rejected him. And things begin to fall apart. They rejected God and become less than they were created to be. That happens to every one of us. We reject God. We're doing less than what God wanted us to do. Less than who God wanted us to be. In fact, they had become what theologians call depraved. Depravity is the condition of man's, uh, man apart from God that seeks the best for himself no matter who it hurts. Ouch. Man was created to love, love God and love others, but now he's less than what he was created to be. Inevitably, he feels ashamed. The first thing sin will cause is shame. Guilt and shame. The second thing sin will drive you to, to do is to cover it up. Genesis 3 and 7 continues on. It says, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They were trying to cover up the fact that they were naked. The most natural thing to do when you're ashamed is to find a way to cover it up. When we've sinned in our life, whether you're a Christian here today or whether you're a sinner, it doesn't matter. All of us has covered something up at some point. We didn't want our mom and dad to know we did that thing. Sometimes it was just not that big a deal. Sometimes it was a big deal. You knew it would disappoint your father. You knew it would disappoint your mother. So you hid it from them. We're not proud of it. We hide things that we're not proud of. If we do something wrong or say something offensive, we might try to cover it up with a little white lie. Just make sure nobody finds out. We want to keep it covered. We may not want to be seen at a certain establishment, so we hide what we put on Facebook. Ouch. Instagram. I mean, that's the best tracker in the world. I can tell you exactly what most of you is doing just by looking at your Instagram. Oh, there's, that's where they are. Oh, that's why they miss. Oh, that's why. Yeah. It's a stalker. Yeah. yeah. When we're ashamed, we don't want people to know about it. Could it be that we're so concerned people won't like us that we try to be something that we're not? Maybe we even tell stories about ourselves that aren't true to impress others. 
I know a lot of stories. Unfortunately, a lot of them are true. That happened in my life. There's no question in my mind that we've all dealt with sins. It's dark to us. Sometimes somebody thinks, well, that's not that big a deal. To us, it was a big deal. Any sin is a big deal. One sin is a big deal. One sin is what's going to keep you out of heaven. I, I was praying with somebody not long ago, and they were saying, I've did so many things. I said, I don't care how many sins you've committed, because that's what they were telling me. I said, the first one is what's keeping you out of, hell, or out of heaven. The first sin. It just takes one. Hmm. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. We may think we have covered it up, but it's amazing how our sin will catch up, catch up with us at some point. Numbers 32 and 23 says, But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. I heard that a lot growing up. Somebody go crying when my siblings would cry, and I'd hear that. Be sure your sin will find you out. I didn't hit them this time. This time. Your sin will find you out. Sin is self-exposing. I love this right here. God intended it to be that way, to lead us away so we confess and repent. But our original parents didn't understand that. Adam and Eve decided it'd be easier just to cover their sin. But our sin will entice us to try to cover it up. The third thing sin will do, it'll cause alienation. Verse 8 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Apparently, this was a common thing. The Lord would come down and talk with them all the time. It wasn't a big deal that God was coming down to talk to him, but they were hiding from him. Their sin had caused, had caused alienation to them. Lord God came to the garden to fellowship with his people he had created, but Adam and Eve had hidden themselves. They had alienated themselves from God. There's become a separation between God and man. They knew it, so they were hiding out. If you notice, God still wants to have fellowship. He still came down. You know, he knew what was going on, but he still came down and he wanted fellowship with man, but man didn't want fellowship with him. God has come to restore light to their now dark world. They don't want anything to do with it. They're hiding out. John 3, 19 says, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that's doing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Why does people not come to God? Their deeds will be exposed. They had to come face to face with their sin. Sometimes they don't even want to face it themselves. Even though they're doing, they know they're doing wrong, they don't want to face it. Have you ever gone into a dark, damp basement and turned on the lights? Watch bugs scatter? They don't like the light? Yeah. We were in a church down in... Uh, I don't know, Mississippi or Alabama, Red Bay, Alabama, the Cooleys, Lyndall Cooley did the praise and worship years ago. We'd go down in their church basement 
and uh, we'd flick on the lights, and they had a mouse problem. And mice would scatter, along with other bugs. They didn't like the light, didn't want to see the light. Evil recoils from the light. Man in darkness does not like light that God brings because it reveals all of his sins. Man has alienated himself from God, and sin has alienated God from man. That's why our world doesn't want absolute truth. They don't want to hear the gospel. They don't want to hear about God because God doesn't approve of their sin. And they don't want to hear that God means what he says and says what he means. And sin's going to be punished with death. I don't hear it, so I'm going to stick my head in the sand. And if I don't listen to it, I don't pay attention to God, it's not going to happen to me. It's going to happen anyway. It's going to happen anyway. Some of us may know what, what that's like. Maybe it's our sin or maybe it's someone else's sin. But we have former friends and near relatives who we haven't spoken to for years because sin got in and caused division. I come from a family reunion. They all seem to be happy. I don't know they were. I'm sure there's somebody in that family that didn't come because they're mad at somebody else. That's every family reunion. Sin alienates people from one another, and it alienates us from God. With this alienation comes fear. The next thing sin does, it brings fear into our, our lives. Verse 9 says, Then the Lord God called to, Ab- uh, to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Well, that's funny. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Lame excuses. You know, that, I read the word, and I find myself in there all the time. It's like, just such a lame excuse there. I was like, I've used the same thing. Well, God, I I did that because this and that happened. Lame excuses. If God is everywhere present and all-knowing, why does he ask Adam, where are you? He knew where he was at. But God was inviting Adam to freely choose to confess and and disclose to him what had gone on. He was trying to bring him in right there. Where, where are you at, Adam? What's going on? I do that with my, I shared with it, I think last week, I do that with Cardin all the time. Even if I don't know if he's doing something, I think, Cardin, what'd you do? Nothing. You sure? Well, Dad, he was this, this, this. He's easy. I'm saying it's easy to get him confessed. I think he's confessed to things he didn't do just because he's afraid he's going to get in trouble. But now Adam's, he's afraid. He's afraid of God. He's not sure what God would do to him. I mean, God had already told him if he sinned, he would die. Sin will separate us from God. Adam would be separated from God, who was his life. It was everything that Adam knew. That spiritual death would eventually result in physical death. Since God is a holy God, he must judge sin. And man is afraid of his judgment. I know I am. But Adam has forgotten about God and his mercies. He totally forgot about that. The fear overcame the fact that God is merciful. So now he's afraid of God. And some of us today are the same way. We don't really trust God's goodness because we're afraid. Years ago, there was a, uh, there was a woman that came through the church, and she got saved, and later on she left the church. And I said, why do you run? 
I, I don't understand running from God. Well, it just started off with something a little simple. But they took off running from God. Afraid. Ashamed. Guilty. And that sin had caused, caused her to alienate herself from God. I said, that's the time we need to run to God. I know this much. When I caught that church on fire in Chicago, I come running into church to my mom and dad. I was like, something's going on out there. I didn't necessarily confess my sins, but I was like, I want a protection from what was going on out there. We need to run to our Heavenly Father. Sometimes we run from God because we really don't trust Him. That, that sounds rough. Well, Drew, we trust God. Sure, we're Christians. Sure, we trust God. Do we really? Search your own heart. Do you really? Because there's times in my life I don't trust God like I should. And I, I believe I'm human just like you guys are. I think it's probably for all of us. We don't really trust God all the time. God, how can you still love me? How can you care for me when I've did this, this, this? I've turned my back on you so many times, and then I come in and I get saved again, and then I go do something else again, and I come back to How can you trust somebody like that? His ways are higher than our ways. His love is deeper than our, our love. He's going to love us in such a way. He wants us to come back to him every time. doesn't matter how many times it is. I told somebody the other day, I said, I think I've been saved a million times. Maybe not, but I'm just saying that. Keep coming back to God. He wants you to keep coming back to him. Trust God. Sometimes we've fallen, but we can get back up. I know what it's like to be afraid when you've sinned. I was in the third grade. We were coming in from recess, and two girls, for some reason, were irritating me and picking on me. Can you imagine that? I turned around and said a few not-so-nice words to them, which included a real bad word. Real bad word. I wasn't allowed to say. It's a cuss word. I was in the third grade. Forgive me. I know none of you cussed in the third grade, but I did. I just knew they was going to tell on me. You know why? Because they said, we're telling on you. <laughs> I was pretty confident they were going to tell on me. There was three third grade classes. They wasn't in my class. One of the other third grade teachers came into our class, and I thought, I've been caught. It's over with now. My dad is going to kill me now. My mom is going to kill me now. They... But then she left. She didn't stay in our room, and I I was sweating bullets over there. I was like, oh, my word. And I kept watching the teacher. And it seemed like the teacher just kept looking over at me. I was like, what? I'm trying to do something else. And she's guilt. I knew I did wrong. And I just thought, my, my teacher knows. She knows. And she's an adult. She knows everything. <laughs> then another third grade teacher walked in. I said, oh, there it is. I'm caught now. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, these teachers never come in our room, and here they are now. Both of them's come in. It spread to the other classroom, or them girls was in different rooms, so all the teachers know now. I'm in trouble. I felt guilty. I was ashamed of what I'd done. I felt a sense of alienation from my teacher, my fellow students. I thought everybody was looking at me funny. I was ready just to break out of there and take off running. I thought my teacher, my classmates, and everyone else knew what had happened. I had no one to turn to. 
My heart started racing. My palms were sweaty. I was scared. Just to let you know that story, nothing came of it. Apparently, the two teachers had come in. We were watching a movie with all the third grade classes that day, and so they were discussing the film or whatever. No one got on to me. No one did. I was like, oh, my word. I don't have to tell my parents. I won't get in trouble for this. I'm good to go. And now they know. Don't think she won't swing that belt at me when I walk by. I learned some valuable lessons that day about sin. I'm not sure I ever cussed, cussed again after that. I had a God moment in a third grade class. It was good because in the second grade class, I was, I was stealing all, you know, they make that flour and glue and, you know, and they put all that together. You're not supposed to eat it. And I was eating it. And that's probably what was wrong with me. But then we'd make stuff and then they would judge it. You'd put some paint on it and everything. They'd judge it and you'd get awards, little ribbons and stuff. In the second grade, I was stealing ribbons off other people's things, put them in my pocket, come home. Look what I did. Guilt and shame. But third grade, I got turned around. I learned that my sin would lead me to a profound sense of guilt and shame. I learned that my sin would bring a feeling of alienation from others. I also found out that my natural tendency would be to try to cover it up. I didn't want anybody to know about that. I also discovered that with sin came a great feeling of fear. I was scared to death. Sin has consequences, and sin will bring fear into your life. Another thing sin will do is it'll drive us to blame others. Genesis 11, 3 and verse 11. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? That sounds just like a father. He knew it already. He was telling him what got him dead to right. Then the man said, the woman you gave me. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. Adam took it like a man. He did exactly what you and I would do. He blamed his wife. It was, it was her. It wasn't even me. You know, God, I wouldn't have did that. We did just fine without her, God. Now you see what's happened. Isn't that what he was doing? You know, what's funny is, Let's, let's see, Genesis 2 and 23, Adam, Adam saying, uh, he sounds like he's bragging here in, in 2 and 23. He says, now, is, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she, has, she was taken out of man. He was bragging on her right there. This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And I was like, she did it. She made me do it. No, no longer is he wanting to talk about that flesh and, and bone and stuff. It, no, it's, it's all her fault, God. You know, I'd never do anything like that. It was all her. In fact, Adam, he goes a step further. He didn't just blame her. He said, God, it's the woman you give me. Now it's not only her fault, it's your fault too. It's there. It's in your Bible. This is your fault, God. Everything was just great with me and the animals. We were getting along great. Genesis 3 and 13 says, And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? 
The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. She's saying, I did it all right. I, I didn't do anything wrong. The devil made me do it. It's the blame game. It's not my fault. I would have never done that. It wasn't my fault, officer. The, the accelerator just got stuck like that. My first ticket, I was in Bolivar, Missouri on Highway 65. I was headed south to Springfield for a softball tournament. And the speed limit is 55 up through there. And speed limit at that time, they just started raising the speed limit up to 65 on interstates. And so I'm driving along there doing 65. I, I thought of a million excuses when he pulled me over. Well, officer, this is Highway 65. I thought it was 65 miles an hour. That probably won't work. All sorts of excuses come to my mind. I wanted to blame something. And finally, this is what I come up with. I said, he said, can you tell me why you were speeding? I said, well, I guess because the speed limit went up 65 on the interstate. I was just driving fast. I, I don't know. I'm just, give me the ticket. I'm just I'm getting out of here. I knew I was wrong. But she said, you know what? The devil made me do it. It wasn't, wasn't necessarily my fault. It's been said to err is human. But to blame it on someone else is even more human. And that's what we want to do. There's always got to be a blame game. It's, it's not my fault. It's, it's got to be Shelley's fault. It's got to be Taylor's fault. It's got to be Peyton's fault or Cardin's. Surely it can't be Drew's fault. The blame game, it's true, and it can be traced all the way back to the Garden of Eden. The last thing I want to tell you is sin will produce painful and devastating results. Genesis 3, verse 16. Can I get, Sister Paula, would you come and play us something, Brother Garrett? I hate that you're hobbled up. Brother Garrett's broke his ankle. He's still up here worshiping God. I am so proud for him. Not that he has the broken ankle. He still has the heart to worship. Genesis 3 and verse 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, you have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall Eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living things. The fall of man caused structural changes in all the creation, including the woman's body. Apparently, apparently, I'm not saying this is the word of God, I'm just saying what Drew's reading into this, apparently childbirth was not going to be painful. I should have heard some women say, thanks a lot, Eve. Our sin affects others. If you think your alcoholic binges aren't going to hurt anybody, I can tell you about countless families that's lost their family members because of drunk drivers. 
I was just doing some little researches in there. Alcohol is involved in about 40% of all fatality car crashes. Alcohol-related crashes in the U.S. cost about $51 billion each year. There's a teenage girl who thought her sexual involvement before marriage was none of her parents' business. Recent estimates show that about 40% of childbirths in the United States occur outside of marriage. Approximately 4.5 million grandparents are raising their grandchildren. Or we could talk about the married man who chose the secret life of homosexuality and infected his wife and unborn child with the AIDS virus. Or maybe you heard about the greedy and deceitful corporations who mishandled and lost their employees' life savings. Don't want to name any names, Enron. Sin is costly, and it not only costs the individual who sins, it costs all of us. All of us. The sin of Adam and Eve distorted our entire universe. It did. I've got a lot more to say, but I'm skipping to the end. Because you know what? You read through this, after a while you get... It's like, this, this is just all bad news. But there's good news. But there's good news. Man was forgiven and reconciled through God, through the death and the shedding of blood of an animal. Do you notice... God right there in the garden, he clothed them. They, were, they had their fig, fig leaves. God clothed them with the animal. How do you think that animal gave up their skin? Bloodshed to cover their sin. God had in mind the coming of Jesus Christ to die in our place. That we could not only be forgiven, but become the righteousness of God. There's great and horrible consequences to sin. But there's a remedy to sin that can be found in Jesus Christ. If you're not saved today, I want you to recognize the high price of your sin. Your sin will cost you. It will cost you in guilt, shame, alienation, and fear. There will also be a price to be paid by the other people in your life. All of you with children, mom, dad, your child is watching you a whole lot more and he's listening to you. They're seeing how you're living. Lead them and guide them in the right way. Even the people you love the most, sin will affect them. But instead of blaming others for your sin and trying to cover it up, you need to recognize God's remedy and come clean. Come, you don't have to tell me. I don't care. I don't care about your sin. I care about your soul. One sin. One sin. It's not that big a deal. Everybody else is doing it. Church down the street's doing it. They say it's all right. 
what's the book say? It's going to be right in God's eyes. I ask you to acknowledge your sin today. Turn from it and turn to Jesus. He shed his blood for you so you can be forgiven. You can spend eternity in heaven. The first thing you need to do is recognize we've all sinned and come short of God's glory. We've all had to come to the altar. We've all had to confess our sins. There's only one God. There's only one way. I'm sorry people are distorting the truth. But there's one way. One way. We've come short of what God wants for us. We deserve judgment. But God loved us so much, He made a way. Mercy built the bridge. second thing we need to do is turn turn from our sin and turn to Jesus I'm going to tell you if you follow Jesus you have to leave your old ways of living behind and begin to follow Jesus you can't just incorporate your sin and think well God will just overlook it it's not that big a deal like I said everybody's doing it and they, they claim to be Christians I told Chanel the other day we were talking about it, some individuals that were doing some things and holding posters up saying, God hates you. It's a lie. They're not Christians if they're doing that. They're not Christians if they're doing that. Because God loves us. The third thing, just live the rest of your life in obedience to Jesus. Rather than giving in to your old self, you can make a daily decision to follow Christ.